morning and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Has this prayer described you? New Year's was just a week ago, and so some of you maybe have prayed a prayer like this. Maybe you prayed a prayer like this New Year's Day. This is the New Year's prayer. It goes something like this. Dear God, so far this year has been incredible. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, nasty, grumpy, cruel, or rude. I am so thankful, God. But in a few minutes, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot more help to get through this day and this year. That, that's the beginning of the day prayer. That's the beginning of the new year prayer. Uh, we are here at the beginning of a brand new year. We are in January, and we're starting a brand new sermon series entitled Re. Short, re, two letters, R-E, short little title with a, a big meaning and big message. It's, it's that prefix. You put re on the beginning of some words. It means to go back to or to turn to again. And so we're going to be looking at a number of things over these next number of weeks that we ought to do or to do again or to return back to. Let's see, I just used another one, return, <laughs> to turn again. So this morning, we're going to be looking at the word reread. I mentioned about the challenge. We're going to challenge you in God's word. Now, I would venture to say, I would venture to say in a congregation that is here in person with people who are watching or listening online, I would venture to say most of you, many of you, perhaps all of you, in some form or fashion, have read something from the Bible. At some point in time, you might have read something from God's Word. Even if you're not a Christian, you're watching or listening to this, chances are you've heard something from the Bible. You've heard something from the Word of God. As a Christian, maybe you have read a bunch. You've read a little not sure how much you have all read. The challenge today is this. If you've never gotten into God's Word, the challenge is to read. For Christians, for believers who have a relationship with God, the challenge is to re-read. Dig back in to the Word of God. See, God's Word is a best-selling book. It's not a best-selling book written by Stephen King not written by John Grissom or any of the other well-known worldwide authors, written by God. The Word of God contains love stories as well as bloodshed, mysteries as well as advice. It includes people the ages of babies all the way up to some major senior citizens. Take a look in the book of Genesis. You want to talk about some senior citizens? There's a whole host of them there. And Bibles are everywhere. Uh, we, we can find them in shopping malls and stores. Go to Walmart, you'll see Bibles. Go to the dollar store, you'll see Bibles. Bibles are everywhere. Go to a hotel room. Bibles are everywhere, courtesy of the Gideons. Go online and you can find Bibles. In fact, if you pull one of these little things out, a cell phone, 
you can get the Bible app, and you have access to, and I haven't counted, probably 30 or 40 plus versions or translations of the Bible, many of which, with a simple tap on the screen, will read it out loud for you. It used to be, you know, you're talking about bringing your Bibles to school or bringing your Bible to work and, and oh, I didn't bring my Bible with me. In today's day and age and culture, we tend to not go anywhere without keys and ID and a cell phone. And yet, literally on our cell phone, we have access to the Word of God like never before. So I want to invite you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. The Apostle Paul is writing to this young pastor friend, Timothy, as he's guiding. This is one of the uh, what's called the pastoral epistles, a letter with the pastor's heart, full of encouragement, full of reassurance, and full of some instruction. Now, the beginning of chapter 3, he's telling Timothy, there's going to be some terrible times in the last days. And then he, he lists a handful of things. And so as you look at them or listen to them, it says people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Does that sound familiar at all? Paul's challenge to young Timothy about the last days sounds an awful lot what, like what you and I are experiencing today in our world and in our culture. And so in a world like that, in a culture like that, we need the Word of God, we need the truth of God more than ever before. We need to read and reread God and His Word. How do we stay on the right track in a dark place called this world? We've got to do so with the light of God's Word. So this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll look at a handful of verses, and I want to challenge you with a number of reasons why we should read or reread God's Word. Whether it's something that you open up on a weekly basis, daily basis, whatever that process is for you, the challenge is to read and reread it. Why? First of all, because the Bible is life changing. Check it out, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. It says, as for you, as Paul writes to Timothy, he says, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. How from infancy you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You want to talk about something life-changing, it's able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Word of God, the Bible, is life-changing, and we've got virtually unlimited access to this life-changing book. 
Many of us have got a whole host of or handful of these Bibles at home. I've got an entire shelf of Bibles. You say, oh, but, but you're a pastor, Pastor Mark. Very true. I mean, over the years as a child, I had a number of Bibles and into Bible college and early ministry and continuing ministry, many of which I've purchased over the years, many of which I've received as gifts over the years, and I've got quite a few Bibles. But I would venture to say many households have one or maybe two or multiple Bibles scattered around the household. We've got access to many of them. Now, since the advent of the printing press, there's really a whole host of numbers as to how many Bibles have been produced. Now, we're not talking thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, hundreds of millions. The number of Bibles produced and distributed are in the billions. That's billions with a B. I was researching that, and I came across a wide variety of numbers, so I'll just pass it on to you. In a couple places, they might say four, five, six, seven billion. Other places would go a little higher and say that's too conservative, 10 to 12, maybe 15 billion every, uh, since the advent of the printing press. Whatever the case might be, whatever that number is, a whole host of Bibles have been produced and distributed. You've got Bibles. How about the Bible on tape? Years ago, maybe you had the Bible on tape. It was a whole suitcase full of tapes to be able to have the entire Bible. So you had the Bible on tape, and then it got condensed to the Bible on CD. And then from the Bible on CD, then there's the websites, and you could access the Bible online or access listening to it. And then, as we mentioned now, to apps, the Bible app, and so many different accesses that we have to the Word of God, we can take it literally anywhere. Even though we've got incredible access, unfortunately, we don't always read it. And if we read it, we don't always understand or learn or remember what's in it. For many, sometimes a Bible sits on a shelf. For many, a Bible is a little bit more decorative. Maybe it, it displays a piece of a place of prominence on a shelf. It, it looks nice. There's some pretties around it. But how often are we digging in, reading, learning, and studying? That's the challenge for us. The Barna Research Group conducted a survey of individuals who self-identified as Christians. They said, yes, I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. So those people who said, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian, they asked them survey questions. Here's what they found about these self-professed Christians' knowledge of the Bible. 48% could not name the four Gospels. Those are the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Nearly half. 61% of self-professing Christians think the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. 71% of self-professing Christians believe that the phrase, 
God helps those who helps themselves is in the Bible. So we've got access to this in printed format. We've got access to it in digital format. And yet, many are not reading. And if they're reading, they're not learning, studying, remembering what it says. Simply having a Bible, simply having access to a cell phone and the Bible app doesn't necessarily guarantee that we get into it. And it doesn't necessarily guarantee we allow God's word to get into us and into our heart. You see, the Bible is given to us for transformation, not just information. Information's good. Information, people and facts and figures and details, boy, there's a lot of information in here. But it's about transformation, allowing God to change and to transform a heart and a life. Again, as Paul writes there, he says that the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation, verse 15. That's transformation. It's not just the Bible's able to fill your heads with a bunch of information and a bunch of difficult to pronounce names. Man, it is able to transform hearts and lives, making us wise unto salvation. It contains what we need to know to draw close to God and have a life saved by Him. And enables us to live a life pleasing to Him. So it's about transformation, not just about facts, figures, and and information. It's a life-changing book. We've got to study it as early and as often as possible. When Paul was writing here, he says, as for you, continue. He says, Timothy, don't stop. Keep going. Continue in what you've learned. Continue in what you've read. Continue in what you've been convinced of. And what was that? He'd heard and known God's word from infancy in a godly home. In fact, just a couple chapters earlier, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. He had heard, he had learned, and Paul says, keep going, continue to get into the Word of God because it's life-changing. Whether you've read it once or twice, whether you've read through this entire book once or twice or 50 times, read it and reread it because it's life-changing. Now, why else ought we to read or reread? It's not just because it's life-changing. Secondly, it's because the Bible is trustworthy. Now, there's a lot of discussion and viewpoints about what you can trust. What newspapers do you read? What magazines do you read? What websites do you visit? What television stations do you watch? And all sides would say, well, this is the one to watch, and this one you stay away from. And others are saying the exact opposite. There's a big difference of opinion as to what is real and true and trustworthy. But Paul is saying, you and I can trust the Word of God. 
Check it out in verse 16. He says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All scripture is inspired. The Greek literally means it's breathed out by God. <sighs> breathed out, inspired of God. In other words, the source of the scripture is God. In journalism, they talk about having sources. If you're writing an article, if you're writing a newspaper, you're writing for a magazine, you're, you're sourcing something for the television, it shouldn't just be you saying what you want to say. you got to have sources. So-and-so said. And then the question is, well, I want to protect my source. Are they really protecting a source, or are they just saying they've got a source and making it up? The question is, we don't know. When it comes to God, when it comes to his word, Paul says, Timothy, you can trust him. It's trustworthy. It's given by the inspiration of God. It is literally breathed out by God so that you and I have access to his words. It's incredible. It's, it's the imagery describing, in a sense, how God communicated the message, if you would, that he had breathed these words into the minds and hearts and souls of human authors, and he's allowing them then to write his message in their style. People will study the, the authors, they will study the writings, whether from the original Greek or Hebrew, and they're written differently. Why? From different authors as God inspired. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 puts it this way. Above all, understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Not only is Paul writing to Timothy, 2 Peter's writing in his epistle there, you can trust this book. It's trustworthy. Not only is it containing the stuff to change your life, but you can trust it. It's not just inspirational where you say, wow, that moves me, but there's nothing real about it. It is real. It is trustworthy. Since it's literally God-breathed, in a sense, this is kind of like his autobiography. It tells us who God is, what he's done, what he likes, what he dislikes, how do we honor and serve and please him. But it tells us who we are. It tells us and shows us who we can be in him. Scripture is true, it's reliable, it's authoritative, it's permanent, it's powerful. You can trust it. The Bible is trustworthy. You can trust it because of its unity. Now, this is a big book. If you've read it through, you've known that it's taken you a while. We've got read through the Bible in a year plans. And some of you say, well, I did the read through the Bible in two years or three years or four year plan because maybe it took you a while. This is not an overnight reading. Some of you, you, know, you have maybe your favorite author. It could be a work of fiction or a work of nonfiction, a magazine of sorts. And you get that. And in a day or two or a week or two, you've devoured it. You can't wait for that next 
book by that favorite author. This is not that kind of book. It, it takes you a while to get through. 66 books written by approximately 40 different authors over a period of approximately 1,500 to 1,600 years. Different authors, different backgrounds, different locations, different continents, different languages that they're writing them in. One united theme and message. It's God and his love. His son Jesus Christ provided for you and me. Can you imagine if we had everybody in this sanctuary write a book? Somebody said, When's, I don't really want to read a book, much less write one. But imagine, you all wrote a book on something, and we compiled them together. Maybe we got some from some other people watching or listening on the Internet, and then we put them all together. Are they all going to say the same thing and point to the same theme? I mean, just get one other friend and try to make a decision. Two people often have three, four, five, six opinions. Can you imagine 40-plus people? 1,500 to 1,600 years, it is united because of God, inspired by, literally breathed out by God. There's no other book that can claim that kind of power and life-changing ability and unity and trustworthiness. We can trust God's Word. It's faithful and dependable directions for our life. Not every authoritative voice out there is looking out for your best interests. You ever, you know, you read some of these advice columnists or you listen to somebody on the news or you listen to somebody online or, or maybe you watch a talk show. It could be Oprah or Dr. Phil or any of those. And they're all giving opinion and they're all designed to help to some degree. Are they all really looking out for your best interest? Not always. When you go to somebody else for advice, when you go to somebody else for wisdom, they're putting their viewpoint, their spin on things. Right here in the Word of God, it's trustworthy. It's dependable. God's giving you wisdom. God's giving you directions for your life that you can count on. You don't have to wonder, why are they saying, are they saying this to me so they can get ratings, so they can sell books? God's doing this, and God's given us his word literally to point us to him and allow us to turn to him. Trust the Bible. Read it. For some of you, I'm going to challenge you, read it for the very first time. For many of you, I'm going to challenge and encourage you to reread it. It doesn't matter if you've tried to read through the Bible every single year. I challenge you every single year you've started and every single year you haven't. Reread it. Get into God's Word. It's life-changing. It's trustworthy. And finally, understand that the Bible is most useful. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 continues, all Scripture is inspired. It's given by the inspiration of God. It's literally breathed out by God and is useful or profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's a whole lot of uses of the Word of God. Why? Verse 17, so that the servant of God or that the man or woman of God or and some would talk about the messenger of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's powerful because it is useful for you and for me. It's useful for teaching. The Bible shows us what is right. See, we live in a day and age and culture when people don't really know right from wrong. We see it more and more and more. You read the newspaper, the magazine, the television, the websites, and you're saying, why are they pushing this? Just a few years ago it seemed wrong. Now it seems right. Our culture really struggles with right and wrong. God's word is useful for teaching. It shows us what's right. Teaches us how to live our lives. God's word is clear. God's word is the standard for living. It's useful. It's profitable for teaching. It's useful and profitable for rebuking. It shows us what's wrong. It often will convict us of false doctrines or of wrong behavior. It's not just for the teaching, but rebuking. You read the Word of God, and, and you feel as if you've been kind of hit in the gut, like, oh, boy, that's just for me today. Boy, I've messed up. I need to learn. I need to grow. Thank you, Lord. You ever read the Word of God and just kind of, oof, Ooh, yeah, oh, that was for me. Oh, that was for me too. You read the next verse, oh, still me. Sometimes we like to read the word of God and go, oh, that's for so-and-so. When you read God's word, there's that rebuking where God says, here's how to make things right. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God's word clearly identifies and diagnoses the hurts and habits and hang-ups that we have. It's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting. It shows us how to make wrong things right, to correct. The Greek word here refers to the restoration into a, an original and proper condition. In Greek literature, it was used to set upright an object that had fallen down. So something had fallen over, and you're setting it upright again. You're correcting also used in the instance of kind of helping stabilize someone who has fallen to their feet. Correction is Scripture's provision. Helps get us back on our feet when we stumble. Ever stumble? Ever done wrong? Yes, well, we need the teaching of God, the rebuking of His Word. We need the correction found in His Word, as well as the training in righteousness. It shows us how to keep it right. 
It implies kind of this continual repetition of doing something over and over until we learn it. The training and learning and discipline. Raising us up to maturity as Christians and believers. It's God's desire. See, the Bible is useful. It's kind of like a GPS in today's world. Whether you've got a separate GPS or you use a cell phone for that. Like a GPS, the Word of God shows us our destination and what it will take to get there. Like a GPS, it tells us when we've made a wrong turn. Like a GPS, it tells us how to get back on track. And like a GPS, it shows problems with the road ahead and finds the best path. See, when we read and reread the Bible... We'll be equipped. Verse 17 says that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You want to be equipped for the job. You want to be equipped for the task at hand. You want to be equipped for what God has called you to be as a Christian man, as a Christian woman. It means get into the word of God. We've got everything we need in here to take on the challenges of life. We have the equipment that is needed to carry out the mission he has given us. And he's given us a tall task, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's a pretty tall task. God's given instructions and training right in here. Following the word of God equips us for this life and then prepares us for eternity. So let me close with the practical blueprint. Just a handful of thoughts on how we might then dig into God's word over the coming year. I challenge you to make a plan. Make a plan. Doesn't have to be complicated. People say if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. We want to give you at least a handful of plans. Here's several paper Bible reading plans. 2023. So the orange one is from Genesis right through to Revelation. Every single day you can read a little something from God's Word. Then you've got this blue one. It's two daily readings. So you read both, in a sense, from Old Testament or New Testament. Then you read from uh, Psalms or Proverbs. So you get a couple different uh, readings there. This is one that I use. It's four daily readings, and so you've got four columns. You've got Old Testament. You've got New Testament. You've got uh, kind of Psalms and Proverbs. You've got some uh, of of the uh, prophets. So if you like to have some variety in your readings, choose one of those. But there's plenty of options, plenty of plans that are out there. The, The Bible app has all kinds of Bible reading plans and devotional plans. We've got the Our Daily Bread devotional for free out in the foyer. Get you maybe a a verse or a, a small portion of Scripture and a little reading. There is all kinds of plans available for you. So we mentioned all kinds of verses in different translations. Find one that's readable or listenable, something that's able to help you to understand. Use the technologies I mentioned. The Bible app, if you need some help, be glad to help you download that and get into that. With a couple taps, you can simply listen to God's word being spoken to you. 
Make a plan. Have some plan how you will get into God's word this year. But start small. If you're watching and you've never read, or if you're watching or here in person, you say, but I've read a little bit, and now I'm pumped up and I'm challenged and I'm encouraged at the beginning of year, I'm going to read or reread. This is not something that you just sit and on a Saturday night, you just read the whole thing. It takes some time. So start small. Don't think I'm going to read the Old Testament today and the New Testament tomorrow. Start with a smaller look, maybe a chapter or two, a handful of verses. Start in maybe the right place. Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are great ones to read. Book of James, book of Psalms, book of Proverbs. I would encourage you not to start in the book of Leviticus. If you've ever done the reading through a Bible, maybe you chose this orange plan. So you start in Genesis, and boy, that's pretty exciting because in the beginning, God created the world. Man, we're reading about Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Oh, oh, Joseph, there are a number of chapters about him. That's pretty exciting. Exodus, okay, we got the Israelites and the plagues. That's kind of cool. But you get to Leviticus and teachings about ceremonial washings and about skin diseases and and about all you think dear lord am i going to get through this so if you are new to reading or it's been a while don't start leviticus genesis has got got some great things to get you going but find some things in the Gospels, find some things in Psalms and Proverbs, some of the epistles that are very practical, but start small and then be consistent. Find a time to meet with God. Some people are morning people and you wake up early in the morning. You got a cup of coffee and you get a Bible out and you read a little something. Other people, it's, it's maybe grabbing a few minutes right before bed at the end of the day. And then there's others of you, and you find something in the middle of the day that works for you. Find something that enables you to get into God's Word. Put it on a calendar. Put it as a reminder, maybe on that smartphone. So it's going to pop up that says, read, reread, get into God's Word. But be consistent, be faithful. They say that it takes 21 days to make a habit. So we're challenging, we're inspiring, we're encouraging you to get into the Word of God today. You can go home and read today, but it's going to take a little while. If you've not been in the habit already, it takes a little while to develop that. So stay consistent. And finally, don't give up. Keep going. Stick to it. Don't panic if you miss a day. One of the the, the good things about uh, these two smaller printed plans is that there are 25 readings per month. So if you miss a few, there's some built-in margin. Or if you'd like to read ahead, there's some built-in margin. But don't, don't give up simply because you have missed a day. I've made the challenge of reading through God's Word every year. Uh, the first year that I recorded doing it was the year 2000. So this is the 24th consecutive year reading through the Word of God. I've read through it uh, previously. 
I'm somewhere in between, I have to look at it, between 12 and 15 different versions or translations. And so I've gotten that discipline and that habit, and invariably over the year, there'd be a handful of days I'd get busy and, and miss. And so a number of years ago, one of my goals was I wanted to make sure that I read the Bible every single day of the year, 365. Perfect. Unfortunately, that year, we went to Missouri, went to see my mom and family, and we we spent some time in between Christmas and New Year's. And so New Year's Day was the day we were traveling home. So New Year's Day, we got up, we packed up the car, we drove all day from Missouri through Illinois, Indiana, into Ohio, we got home, we unpacked, we breathed out a sigh of, we're home, go to bed, and I wake up the next day, January 2nd, to realize I did not read the Bible. First day of the year, and I failed. You're chuckling with me. It's all right. I welcome that. What I say is, don't give up. Don't quit. So January 2nd, I read. Now, the the Bible app, it's kind of neat. It will give you a, uh, I forget what it's called now, but it tells you how many days in a row you have opened up and read God's word. And so that's kind, of a, that's kind of an inspiring challenge to me as I don't want to see that number get back to zero again. So at some point, I, I'm, I think I'm around five or 600 days straight. And that's a challenge. Some days it's busy, it's crazy, and it's 1130 before bed. I'm thinking, oh, have I read my Bible? And I open up, nope, I haven't. Got to read something today. But don't give up. Get into God's word and allow it to get in to you. Why? Because it's life-changing. It's powerful. It's trustworthy. And guess what? It is something that is useful for you and useful for me. Read or reread his word. 